It's great to be with you guys here today. I'm very happy to be with you to kick off our sermon series for the Christmas season, The Greatest Gift. In this season, we turn our focus <clears throat> towards the greatest gift we receive. We should, at least. Our, our, our focus should be on the grace and mercy that we've been given through Jesus. But unfortunately, I just have this burden because the air is often filled instead with debates over whether we say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. The color of a coffee cup enters into the debate as well. We worry about the stress of our family gatherings, and we want to make sure that we fight and claw our way into the best deal for the must-have. It seems that all too often these days we sacrifice our joy and the very spirit of this season to the strains of our schedules and the pressure of the season. You know, once we used to be excited about giving gifts to other people and just being with the people that we loved. And it seems that we've lost a lot of that as a people. But it's important for us to remember as followers of Christ that our attitude and our behaviors in this season communicate a great deal to the world around us. The world's watching. They know how they behave. And we say we follow a different way. But do we look any different in their mind? And I believe that our acts of kindness are one of the best ways for us to express the love of God to the rest of the world. And that's what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is how our acts of kindness affect those around us. Jesus had a lot to say on kindness and showing love. In Luke chapter 6, he's talking to his disciples. And in, in verses 27 through 35, he's explained to them the way in which they should give. He says to them in verse 27, he says, But I say to all of you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. If you will, be kind to even those people who don't like you very much. The people you might cross the street or turn into another hallway to avoid talking to. That person that you think, oh, here they come. To those people, he says, be kind. He goes on in verse 30, he says to them, give to everyone who asks of you. Do you have the means? Then don't withhold. Show them kindness. And then I love it, he pushes so hard as he's closing in on verse 35. He says to them, I say again to you, love your enemies and do good. Lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. And at the end he finishes, he says, For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And when I read that verse, I love it, he says, Your reward will be great. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get something great in return. That, you know, hey, you gave and a bigger gift will be given to you. He's saying, there's a reward for you waiting in heaven. And, and I also think that there's a reward here too. Because when you give like this, your life is blessed. Your spirit 
is connecting to the Spirit of God. So Jesus is calling us to give beyond just our friends and family, to the people who reciprocate, but to everyone that we know, to show our kindness everywhere we go. But did you catch what it says at the end? It said that God is kind to even ungrateful and evil people. And we hear a phrase like that, we think, well, thank goodness he's, he's kind to ungrateful and evil people. And we think of other people out there that must need him. That's true. But friends, I'm here to tell you that ungrateful and evil people are you and me. I'll at least speak for myself that I can tell you that an ungrateful and evil person was a good definition for my life. I'm a fairly shabby human being without God's grace and mercy in my life. But the good news is, is that Paul tells us in, in Romans 2, he says that God's kindness, though, leads us to repentance. We're offered new lives, and if we'll listen to the call and we'll accept it, there's a new life for us. And I can't tell you how thankful I personally am for God's kindness in my life. You know, when we look at kindness in Scripture, it says 50 times how we can be kind. The word kindness is used again and again. And in the New Testament alone, there are 51 another's. These are verses where we're given an instruction to do something for one another. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Bear with one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Again and again, Jesus and the apostles gave us words to look beyond ourselves and to look at other people. And as a pastoral team, as we've gathered together to start our meetings, we start with prayer and then we read one another's together. And I can tell you that as we sit down, we're people with busy schedules, we've got things going on, we have agendas, our points of view, we know what we're about ready to talk about, but when we sit and we recite those words together, I can promise you that in my heart at least, I care more about what they have to say. I am more patient, I am more loving, because that's the words that our Lord gave us. James, the brother of Jesus, emphasized this. You see, James <coughs> heard the things that Jesus had to say. But James didn't believe them. He went through his whole life growing up with Jesus as the older brother. If you guys have siblings, could you imagine if, if your brother said that he was the Messiah? I've met my brothers. I wouldn't listen to them. And James didn't either. Until, until he met his resurrected Savior. And in the book of James, he believes. And, and he says to the church, he says, and in verse 22, he says, Prove yourself to be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude yourself. See, he heard the words of Jesus to love, to be kind. And he's pleading with the church at this point, Please, don't just sit here and listen. Go and be doers of the word that you've heard. The famous pastor John Wesley said it like this. I, I, I love how he says it. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long ever as you can. 
And when I heard that, to me, that sounds like love. That sounds like kindness. When we look at the original word used for kindness in Scripture, it, it has this sense of being a spontaneous action that we do for the good of another person. And, and I would say to you that that spontaneous action is the calling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit compels us. And if we're obedient, we hear the word and we go and we do good. It's not simply a random act of kindness. It's a Spirit-led act of kindness. And as we approach the Christmas season each year, we as a church, Eastside, like to focus on the greatest gift that we've received, the gift of Jesus. And, and we like to think about how we can show our appreciation and our thanks by giving our greatest gift back to Him during our greatest gift offering. It's a time that every year we, we ask everyone as a body to come together and prayerfully consider, as individuals, as families, what it is that you can do to give above your regular tithes and offerings. When you give... God takes what it is that He did, and He turns it into a wonderful blessing, a provision for our ministry partners around the world, like you saw with Pastor C.K. That message of thanks from Him was to you because you give. So this year, as we give gifts to our friends and family, and we're doing our busy shopping, pause and reflect on whether or not we could give our greatest gift that we give this year back to God and thanks. Additionally, this year as a church, you know, we, we focus on inviting our friends and family for Christmas Eve service. For some folks, it's that one time of year that they may come and join us at church. This year, we want to cast our nets a little bit wider. This year, I'm asking you guys to invite all of Wichita to join us for Christmas Eve service. So just a couple more people I'm asking you to talk to. This year we're asking you to help us with that, with our Pay It Forward campaign. You just saw Amy there, and Amy was paying it forward. And we're asking everybody to join us in this. In, in, in your seats you saw cards over there. There are four of them, to be exact. There's one for you for every single week between now and Christmas Eve. And during this season, people pay it forward. You know, they pay for the person behind them or, or do an act of kindness. And there's a different spirit that's in the air. And when you do that this year, all we're asking is that when you do that, you pass that carnival to invite people to have the opportunity to come and learn about Jesus, to get to know him and experience who he is. And if we will faithfully do that, if it, just the adults here at Eastside, our teenagers and our kids are going to get involved as well. But if just the adults faithfully did that once a week, every week between now and Christmas, if we just did one act of kindness and extended that invitation, do you realize that 1,600 people will have been touched by your act of kindness and will have been invited to join us in celebrating the birth of our Savior? If you want to be bold, reach over and grab the cards in the seat next to you as well. That'll be eight of them. That'll be two a week. And if you did that, over 3,000 people will have been invited to come and join us. Could you imagine 
3,000 of us trying to figure out how to fit in this space. I'll take on that problem if we can. <coughs> Let me share with you my dream. My dream is that I'm going to end up pulling up in a drive-thru somewhere here in the area. And I'm going to say, here's, here's the money for my order. And I'd like to pay for the person behind me. And as I go to hand the person the card, they go, and I know, I'll give them the card too. Because enough of us have already been there that it's in the very air itself. That people will know what's going on. They'll know that it's God's blessing that's paying it forward. And that people are being invited to come and know Him. I just think it's so powerful. Because the essence of paying it forward in this season is really just a spirit of kindness. In, in kindness, we do good. Kindness puts our love in action. It, it moves love from being a feeling to an actual expression into the world. Kindness, if you will, takes our love on the road. Sometimes our acts of kindness can seem small. Sometimes they seem inconsequential. We're not sure if it was worth it. But I'm here to share with you that you never know where the ripples of your acts of kindness will carry we see this all throughout Scripture, and we also see it in the life of a man named Joseph Milner. See, Joseph was an Englishman, and he was born in, in 1744. And his family had enough money to send him off to school, and he pursued his education. And he eventually would become headmaster of the school. And he'd become a minister someday. But as he was going through his schooling, he looked and he saw his young brother Isaac. And Isaac was struggling in life. See, the family didn't have enough for him. And Isaac was apprenticed off to become a weaver. He was struggling in life. He wasn't good at his vocation, and it gave him no joy. And Joseph, in an act of kindness, helped lift his brother out of that situation by offering to help pay for his education. His brother Isaac would become one of the leading mathematicians of his day. He would join the Royal Academy of Sciences, and because of that act of kindness, there was an opportunity for that expression of faith, and his faith grew. He came to know the Lord, and Isaac actually became a deacon and eventually a minister himself because of his brother's act of kindness. We see a brilliant career in the life of Isaac. In his vocation, Joseph was a headmaster, as I said. And in that day and age, usually the thing was is that boarding schools for boys were focused on routine and regiment and getting them to be good, stiff, upper-lipped, you know, Englishmen. But he created an environment that was more supportive and nurturing. He wanted to encourage the young men. It was led by his faith. And one of those young men was the son of a wealthy merchant. And he spoke words of faith in him, and the two would actually become friends for the rest of their lives. But in this young man's life, his father and his uncle both passed, and he inherited a lot of wealth. He moved on to a new school, and even though he finished his degrees and was accepted into politics and served in parliament, his passions became cards and drinking and gambling. So it would seem that Joseph Milner's act of kindness towards this young man and speaking into his life didn't carry very far. There weren't many ripples from it. 
But let's just park that for a moment and come back to it. Maybe there's something else that we can see. Because you see sometimes those small ripples come back in places we don't expect. We see stories like that in the Bible. We see it in the life of Joseph. We see it in the life of Moses. And we see it in the life of a woman named Naomi. See, Naomi and her husband lived in Israel about 1,300 years before the time of Jesus. And in that day and age, there was a famine in the land. And the family moved out of Israel into a country called Moab. They would have some easier living there, so they took their two sons there. And while they lived there, the two sons became married to Moabite women. The family prospered for a while. But then they fell in some hard times, and Naomi lost her husband and both of her sons. She was quite old at that point, and she said, you know what, I, I just need to go back to Israel. So she told both of her daughters in law she said, you two are very young still. Don't come and, and share my faith. Go and get remarried. I'm releasing you of any obligation of caring for me. And one of them said, okay, said goodbye, and went back about her way. But one of them, a young woman named Ruth, said, no, I refuse. Will you go? I go. In an act of kindness, she decided that she wasn't going to let Naomi suffer on her own. She wasn't going to leave her to have to find a way to provide for herself. Because she understood that in that day and age, she was going to be nothing more than a beggar. And that she would have a fairly poor life. And Naomi decided to be at her side to help. So the two moved together. They went back to Israel, to Bethlehem in fact. And Ruth needed to find a way to provide for the two of them. So she decided to go to the field of a family member. A man named Boaz. And she was going to go gleaning through the fields. You see, the Lord had commanded his people. He said, when you guys go and harvest, sometimes you'll drop things along the way. Don't pick those up. Just leave them. And don't go to the very edge of your land, to the very corners. Leave that too. He said, there are people in need. And I've provided enough for you. So I want you to leave something for them. See, the Lord's been in the game of kindness for a very long time. So Ruth found herself at Boaz's land and she was going to go and gather what was left in the fields. And Boaz saw her and he did what the Lord commanded, but he went farther. He extended his kindness even farther. He told his servants, he said, do you see that woman there? Leave her be. Don't give her any ugly looks. Don't judge her. You leave her be. As a matter of fact, as you're going along, sometimes I know when you're, you're gathering, you may drop larger amounts. Don't pick those up either. <coughs> and he went to Ruth and he said, it's hard work doing what you're doing. So if you need water during the day, come and get water from me. If you need shelter during the heat of the day, take shelter in my home. And so he extended a hand of kindness to her far beyond what he was required to do. And Naomi received this, and uh, Ruth received this, and she was able to gather up a great amount of food for herself and Naomi. A provision, a full bushel, it says, that she was able to gather. And Ruth was wondering, why, why is Boaz being so kind to her? A foreigner, no less. She goes and she asks him, and in, in the book of Ruth, in chapter 2, she says, Boaz, why, why do I get this kindness from you? And, and he says this to her. He says, all that you've done, 
all the good you've done. For your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. You see, when Ruth put her love on the road, it sent out ripples. And those ripples touched the heart of Boaz. And Boaz, in return, sent out an act of kindness, ripples that provided for Ruth and Naomi. And those ripples didn't even stop there. You see, as Ruth went back and told Naomi the kindness that she had been shown, Naomi was a person who felt God was against her at this point in her life. She felt God had dealt bitterly with her, had taken so much from her. But when she heard the goodness and the kindness that had been shown to Ruth, in verse 20 she said this, she said, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Her heart warmed because she saw God's hand on her. She felt his kindness moving and in action in her life. The ripples move and we don't know where they're going to go. As we act in kindness, we take our love on the road. You see, Boaz himself is part of our story today because of an act of kindness. When the Israelites were first moving into the land, Joshua led the people to the city of Jericho, an impenetrable fortress. And he sent spies in to figure out what was going on inside of the city. And the guards knew the spies were there. And they were hunting for them. And if they found them, they would put them to death. But thankfully for those spies, they ran across a woman named Rahab. And Rahab extended a hand of kindness to them although it could have cost her her life if she was found out. She gave them shelter and hid them, and even turned the guards away so that they wouldn't find them. Because of her act of kindness, when the Israelites conquered the city and overtook all the people, only Rahab and her family were left. And as the Israelites moved into the, the land, Rahab met an Israelite man named Salmon. Salmon and Rahab had a son. His name was Boaz. And Boaz met Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth had a son named Obed. And from Obed came Jesse. And from Jesse came David. And from King David came the promise of a Messiah. See those individual ripples come together and they collide. And when they collide, there's more force and power than what they had in the beginning. So we never know where they're going to go and what the outcome will be. When we look back at Joseph Milner's life, we saw the ripples from his act of kindness to his brother. We saw a promising career and a man of faith. But what of the young merchant's son? Well, as I said, he went to a life of politics, but his passion was drinking and gambling. Late night parties were the flavor of his day. But that young man, one summer, went traveling in Europe. And he happened to meet the brother of his old headmaster and friend. He met Isaac Milner. And Isaac Milner had the opportunity to visit for prolonged periods of time. And he shared the gospel with this young man. And over the time of this relationship and this friendship, he led the young man to know the Lord. 
And it was a different kind of faith than was common that day. You see, the church in England at that point in time was very insular. It was focused on ritual and proper order, not in speaking the good news of the gospel wherever they went. So Isaac was teaching evangelical faith to this young man. And it set his world on fire. That young man carried that evangelical fervor wherever he went. He was going to proclaim the good news. But the problem was is that he had a life in politics. His vocation in that day and age wasn't compatible with somebody who was evangelical, who promoted faith. Can you imagine a world where being in politics wasn't compatible with speaking faith? It's a very interesting time that this young man found himself in. So he actually went and sought counsel from someone. They advised him to go see a man who might be able to help him with this. This man's story, I, I can't even begin to touch. Because you see, this man was once a slave himself. And through an act of kindness, he was freed. And he actually became a sailor, but then grew to become the captain of a slave ship himself. But through an act of kindness, he was set free from that life into a life of faith. And he became a minister. And you all know him. His name's John Newton. And you all know him because he wrote the song, Amazing Grace. And John Newton told this young man, he said, don't leave your vocation just because it's hard. Marinate with your faith. He said, let your faith fuel your vocation. So he did. That young man, William Wilberforce was his name. He would take his faith to lead a charge to end slavery in England. See, those ripples collided in the life of young William Wilberforce. And those ripples would bring about freedom for so many. He made it the work for the remainder of his life to set people free. And William Wilberforce, by taking his love on the road, he would live to see a law passed that would end slavery across the British Empire. He died three days after its passing. The Lord loves to weave together the lives and the acts of kindness for his people. He loves to bring these things together for the good of his kingdom and for his children. The prophet Micah, long before Jesus tells us this, he says, he's told you, O man, what is good. What is it? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? To love kindness, to do justice to one another. If you remember nothing else I say to you today, nothing at all, then remember just this. No act of kindness that the Lord calls you to do is insignificant. You never know where those ripples will carry. <clears throat> Can you imagine how our lives would look if we would all be obedient and respond to that? If we could pay it forward to one another, what might that look like? And as I was preparing for the message, I, I found this video and I wanted to share it with you because this, I think, is what it looks like when we pay it forward with an act of kindness. It shows us a little bit of what life might look like. 
Watch this together. Paid in full. From the prophets to Paul, the Lord has been calling and speaking to us. Calling us to love and to be kind to one another. The greatest demonstration of His kindness and His love towards us was the sacrifice that Jesus made. The very act of kindness and love to rescue and free each and every one of us. Would you stand with me? So friends, it's the gift He's offering. The greatest gift I promise you'll ever receive in your life if you'll have it. And if you're here today and you haven't received that from the Lord, I beg you, don't leave today until you have. Maybe you say, well, you know, Norm, I'm, I'm good. I have salvation. I've accepted the gift from the Lord. Well, friends, let me ask you this. Have you accepted the full gift that He had in mind for you? See, it wasn't just salvation that He came for. He tells us in John 10, He said, I came that you could have life and that to its fullest. He doesn't want us sitting here on this earth in a shabby half-life, just waiting and hoping we can make it and that we'll have a decent life in eternity. We will. But He said, you have a full life now if you'll accept it. And that's what he wants from us. He tells us even later in John 16, he says, you know, in this life you'll have trouble. But don't worry. I've overcome this world. So today, maybe you need to receive that from him as well. So as we sing, if you need to spend time alone with the Lord, maybe the two of you just need to talk about something that we urge you to come forward, pray, spend some time alone here with the Lord. But if you need us to pray for you, if you've read, made yourself ready to receive that gift from Him, <coughs> then join us here and we would be blessed to be praying with you. So let's worship together and sing to our Lord.